Empower Radio presents the Dr. Julie Show, all things connected. Break through the illusion of separation, explore the infinite field of possibility, and make connections that inspire. Now, here's your host, Dr. Julie Crawl. Hello and welcome everyone. Welcome to the Dr. Julie Show, all things connected. Each week we gather right here to make connections that break through that illusion of separation. During the next hour, I invite you to envision a world transformed, a world that works for all. Many say we are currently in the midst of the greatest transformation in human history, living at a pivotal time on planet Earth. And it's time to make a choice, to lift ourselves up on a new wave of evolution, tapping into our highest potential for the greater good of humanity. Our guest today says that asking the questions, where did we come from? What is the purpose of life? And what does the future hold? Asking those questions will help push us forward into a new era of transformation. I invite you to take a few deep breaths. Bring your awareness into this moment, open your mind, connect with your heart, and settle into your essential self as I introduce our guest. Emmanuel Kunzelman is a lifelong seeker and advocate of environmental awareness and world peace, and his accomplishments reach internationally. Since founding the nonprofit exchange organization Center for Cultural Exchange in 1985, he has helped thousands of participants build a foundation of cultural understanding across the globe while promoting environmental initiatives through CCI's Division of Greenheart. Together with his life partner, Laura Rose, he founded the Foundation for the Future in Spain, other endeavors include work with Abyssa's Ecology Center, Casita Verde, and the creation of the eco-friendly Fair Trade Greenheart Shop located in Chicago. An inspirational speaker since the 70s, Emmanuel is dedicated to personal and social transformation. He oversees Greenheart's division of Greenheart Transforms, seeking to raise global consciousness and working toward a transformed society of holistic humans through workshops, lectures, retreats, and his efforts with the Global Purpose Movement. Welcome, Emmanuel. Well, thank you, Julie. It's nice to be here, and I appreciate your efforts to endorse connectedness on on all fronts. So it's a pleasure. Mm, thank you. Thank you. Well, your life speaks the theme of our show here today, and I'm really looking forward to digging into just a really good, meaningful conversation on all things connected here. But we start out with an opening traditional question here, Emmanuel, and so I'm going to ask you directly, what does all things connected mean to you? Well, on a fundamental level, um, it means that uh, at the beginning of time, consciousness is primary and that we are all connected on a quantum level, uh, entangled, as it were, across space and time, uh, that the universe is all one and we're all part of it and it's part of us. So on that deep overall uh, level of universal understanding, it's a very, very important uh, idea for us to embrace as we move on to a 
deeper understanding of science as quantum connectedness, uh, it's critically important that we we feel that in our hearts and souls uh, because that sense of connectedness uh, is uh, overcomes the the loneliness of separation and the material paradigm and brings us all together and gives us a sense of purpose uh, within the oneness. So on that fundamental level, it's, it's critically important to have that kind of understanding beneath us. And then on a more practical level, uh, we need to connect with friends and build communities uh, together uh, taking action to uh, overcome the challenges of the current crisis in our, our civilization. So the connectedness has a very practical component, too, that we need to reach out, join forces, uh, synergize our efforts and ideas, and work together to to produce the most goodwill we possibly can. So it's it's both philosophical and it's practical at the same time. Mm, thank you, Emmanuel. I appreciate that. And, you know, moving us into action is an important piece of that. You know, I want to start at the beginning, though, with our conversation, because I'm intrigued. I haven't heard this part of your story, but you have, I think, a unique perspective as you've been working with the International Exchange Program for decades now. And so I'm really curious you, you've been working with young students, you've been into the travel, you, you're observing this consciousness, culture, communications, there's so much that this rich history of yours brings, and now it's evolving into this really global platform of, of, of transformation here. But tell me, how did Emmanuel Kunzelman end up working with exchange students and then building this platform that you have now at the present day? Yeah, well, I can uh, sure comment a little bit on uh, the exchange industry. You know, way back when I was uh, first getting started on on my own spiritual search and really trying to figure out how I could best contribute to uh, higher understanding, world peace, all of the things that are now part of our mission. I was really looking for something that changed people's lives. And, uh, you know, I was giving talks and seminars and things like that at the time. But, uh, you can, you can tell a very good story, but it doesn't necessarily, uh, change people's lives. And I was familiar with cultural exchange, uh, going back to my teenage years. My, my parents, uh, sponsored exchange groups. We had exchange students in our home. I was an exchange student myself in college, and I realized the the power of traveling abroad, living in a different culture, uh, meeting new people, speaking different languages, and and adapting to all these changing circumstances, and uh, knew that the experience itself really forced one to get outside of their comfort zone and transform in many ways. And so I just felt that uh, creating those kinds of experiences for people would uh, clearly contribute to uh, a broader understanding of everyone involved. And when I first got started uh, organizing exchanges in 1985, 
uh, it was very evident that that was indeed the case. Uh, I remember one of my first host families who commented that uh, all the long-winded philosophical discussions I had had uh, with them hadn't really changed their mind, but hosting an exchange student in their home for uh, nearly a year had transformed the whole family's life. So that that really resonated with me. It's it's about finding one's right livelihood, and I felt as a, a practical undertaking and and a business enterprise, uh, cultural exchange was the best thing I could really do. And uh, over 30 years later, that, that remains uh, the case. Uh, I haven't changed my mind on that one. I, I couldn't think of a, a better, uh, more proactive activity than, than to organize cultural exchange. So uh, here we are today with Greenheart International, and we uh, organize exchanges for over 10,000 participants annually. And I think we're really reaching hundreds of thousands of people through those efforts. And I'm very pleased that uh, that's an ongoing process and and reaching reaching so many people and changing those lives in such a positive way. Mm. Well, I I couldn't agree with you more. We hosted an exchange student um, several years back, and. It's a lasting transformation. It's not just for our family, but even just having this international relationship with someone. And the Internet and technology makes that easy to stay in touch with people and, and learn about that. So thank you for that, Emmanuel. Well, I think that just having that foundation does give you this unique perspective. So now I see you doing amazing things on our planet. You're gathering leaders up, you're having conversations, you're working on even changing or helping to transform business models, looking at mindfulness and leadership. And and so how did you get from Greenheart International to really bringing these global leaders together, beginning to have some conversations, and then we'll, we'll move into the global purpose movement that comes out of that. But how, how did you go from um, Greenheart to where we're at right now? Well, actually, it was part of my personal vision from the very beginning. Uh, Early on in life, I became aware that uh, we're in a critical uh, situation here from my point of view, the the most important uh, moment in all of human history. And we're we're in the midst of this great transition. And um, our whole future is being threatened by... uh, overlapping circumstances, and that it was everyone's uh, obligation to recognize that and do what they could to to resolve uh, the, the challenges we face. And so I felt that from from a very early age and wanted my life's work to, to contribute to it. And I held the vision from early on that the the best thing I could do would be to facilitate uh, a network of organizations to bring people together and uh, look for synergies and common 
common values and understandings and see how different groups could share their resources and combine their efforts so that we're we're not kind of all separate individuals or organizations working in our little silos on our lonely paths, but we're actually merging into a worldwide movement of people rising up together with a common cause to resolve uh, the problems we face. Uh, so it wasn't by accident, but it, it was a long time in the making because one needs to create an infrastructure and a solid business model to uh, be able to move on. So uh, I spent a lot of time putting that together, and here in the last uh, seven or eight years, then, I've been able to expand on it. Um, moving Greenheart into other areas, we, we have the Greenheart Shop, which uh, promotes fair trade and environmentally friendly products, conscious consumerism, as it were. And then, of course, Green Heart Transforms, which is really creating events and spaces for organizations, uh, like-minded organizations, to come together and see how they can share ideas and resources. And uh, I'm very excited about the prospects and the energy behind this and to see, you know, it's really happening now. It's, it's just uh, incredible throughout the world that uh, there are so many people uh, on the same wavelength here, and it's beginning to resonate uh, everywhere. And uh, it was something I'd kind of hoped for from many, many years in the past, but it's really encouraging to, to see it actually happening at this time. Yeah, you write a, a beautiful blog, and one of your entries was talking about how it, it just is moving. There's this undercurrent and, and we're all waking. And the thing I really appreciated about this article was that who, who owns this thing or how can anyone own it? And, and it's a really important conversation because sometimes as leaders of very large organizations, we, we have a responsibility to kind of maintain an identity and a, business model and a plan and so what what's the solution to this ownership piece and and how do we really it's kind of like um corralling cats you know it's like we have so many amazing incredible organizations on the planet working for peace sustainability hawkins says you know there's what hundreds of thousands of of organizations now what's your vision for Greenheart transforms, and then let's talk about the global purpose movement. Okay, well, th those are great questions, um, and you know, I think as as we move into the new paradigm here, there is indeed a need to shift how we organize and what our motivation is for creating um, a global movement to raise consciousness, and uh, really make a big difference in the world. And, you know, in the old paradigm, uh, people wanted to be given credit for what they do. And uh, leadership and business was about accumulating credentials or accumulating material wealth. Um, that's not to say there's anything 
wrong with doing that now, but our purpose is higher. And so since there are so many different movements with the same base in mind, as, as Paul Hawken, you mentioned, uh, has brought up uh, maybe beyond hundreds of thousands, maybe even millions of movements, most of them non-for-profits, uh, throughout the world uh, addressing the issues we have. So how can any one person or one movement uh, even aspire to take the leadership of that? I think that's the the wrong approach. You know, I think is all we can do is with humility and a sense of love and service, do the best we can to accomplish as much as possible within our own means. And so that um, that is what we're trying to do. Uh, Green Heart Transforms then has been facilitating gatherings. Um, you know, we decided early on that it wouldn't have a formal organizational structure for many of the reasons I've just pointed out, yet it does need to have some administration and organization. So behind the scenes, Greenheart Transforms is providing the, the needed infrastructure uh, and organizational components of this movement, but uh, not putting our name and logo front and center and deferring to what we call now the Global Purpose Movement, which was a name that came about through uh, consensus uh, and discussion with our entire group of organizations. And uh, I've described it more as a holo movement. It's not a singular linear flow, but rather a movement of movements, many interconnected parts moving together. Um, you know, Michael Talbot, the author of The Holographic Universe, did a nice description of the holo movement when he, he likened it to riding a bicycle. And, uh, you know, if we've ever thought about learning how to ride a bicycle, if we try to think that through, it's a very complicated procedure because there's no easy answer and we probably lose our balance and fall over. But if our mother or father kind of just gives us a little push and we flow down the street on that bicycle, all of a sudden we, we find that flow and we ride a bike. And, you know, there's all these moving parts, our, our leg muscles, our muscles, our balance, everything's working together, but we don't have the time to think that through and analyze it. It's a holo movement of flow and understanding. And that's what it'll take now as well to, uh, to bring all the different organizations together into the flow and move it forward. So there's really, uh, no one name. Uh, I've kind of joked that the the movement that can be named is not the eternal movement, <laughs> and uh, so it's kind of uh, you know taking off the Tao Te Ching. There, it's a, a sort of nameless movement. We're calling it Global Purpose just because we need to have some uh, context to to refer to it. And uh, I certainly don't think of myself as a leader or a founder in any sort of classical sense. At the very most, maybe at one point I initiated some part of the flow, but I think it's best to bring as many people into the picture and in as many organizations 
and uh, to have a, a leaderless, nameless movement with a little bit of structure behind it to make sure it stays on course. So it's, uh, it's a balancing act there of uh, trying to put a little order in chaos and yet leave it with the freedom it needs to, to find its own path. But uh, I think it's happening. I feel good about it, and I think other people do too. They're, they're drawn to this idea, and uh, we're moving together in, in love and understanding and seems to be working quite well. So thank you for that. Emmanuel, and, and I appreciate your comments about the movement piece. I know Charles Eisenstein says, we don't create a movement, the movement creates us. So it's, it's fun to hear your reflections on that. What would be the goal or the purpose of the global purpose movement then? Why should we come together as individuals, organizations, world leaders? Why now? Well, now is definitely the time, if not too late. So, um, you know, I don't want to uh, bring us down with uh, citing facts or, or anything else. I think we're all very aware of the, the environmental crisis, climate change, uh, diminishing resources, overpopulation, et cetera, et cetera. So the, the time is now. And... Uh, it's it's really today that everyone needs to become aware of this and take action and uh come together and uh and the reason and i think the the attractor that brings everyone together that is the central focus is purpose you know we kind of did word games and kept asking people, and the word that kept coming up more often than any other word was purpose. And what I ask people is, what is the purpose of your life? You know, oftentimes I'm surprised that many people really can't identify in a purpose, at least not a deep philosophical uh, meaning to their lives. You know, they're maybe trying to get by, make ends meet, uh, cope with material circumstances. But I ask, you know, what is the real purpose of your life? And then once you identify that, how does that work together with other people? And where is a unifying purpose? And so that is what global purpose is about is finding this purpose to move life forward, to make evolution grow and expand, to save the planet, to uh, distribute our our resources in an equitable manner, to take care of every person on the planet, and do our best to make the contributions to those causes for social justice and a a deeper understanding of, uh, of our entire civilization. And uh, it's, it's critically important that we feel this sense of uh, deep purpose of connected spirituality with all of humankind, share that together, and then our purpose is figuring out how we as individuals can contribute to it and uh, make the best use of our lives. And yeah. Global Purpose Movement just kind of opens opportunities and encourages people to explore that and uh, hopefully find a connection that works for them. Beautiful. 
So we are better together. And what we're talking here is synergy, creating social synergy that makes a big difference that I can put my gifts into the greater whole and work with others with a resonant, coherent kind of purpose and great things happen. So we just have a few minutes before the break Emmanuel, why don't we just put a plug in for the Synergy Forum coming up here in May, just a few weeks away now. The Global Purpose Movement is gathering in Sunrise Ranch in Loveland, Colorado. Is you want to talk just a bit about that? Yeah, I'd be glad to. So, yes, we're we're holding a Synergy Forum, as you said. It's at Sunrise Ranch in Colorado. That's May 19th uh, through the 22nd. And we're bringing uh, organizations together uh, to uh, meet, uh, find those synergies, network, meet uh, new friends, um, find joint projects that they can share and work on together. And it'll be just, uh, I think, a really wonderful gathering of like-minded individuals finding that, that resonance, getting on the same wave together and um, feeling the flow of uh, moving into the future on a, on a unified path uh, of harmony. Um, so, you know, I think it's a, it's a wonderful opportunity for uh, organizations to, to f- meet new people and gather new ideas and re-energize uh, their own missions. So that's what we'll be doing and spending a little time in nature and uh, exploring some some futuristic ideas on technology and love and the impact that we can create. Beautiful. So our listeners can go to www.globalpurposemovement.com for more information there. It'll take you directly to links with Sunrise Ranch and other things. Now, I love, Emmanuel, how you mentioned wave and flow because there's so much more to Emmanuel Kunzelman than just this global purpose movement. And you've been writing a book, which should be released this year. And there's so much more to talk about with your wave model. So we are going to talk about consciousness when we come back and so much more. I'm Julie Kroll. You're listening to The Dr. Julie Show. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back more with Emmanuel Kunzelman. Sassy! This week's episode, Danger at the Old Well. Last one to the old well's a rotten egg. Ha ha, I win. Whoa! Ah! Sassy! Johnny fell down the well. I'm wet. What, Sassy? You know where Mr. Gunderson keeps his rope? Go get it, girl. What? You'd rather use his time to set people straight about shelter pet adoption? I'm cold. People shouldn't be afraid to adopt from a shelter? Because shelter pets are screened for sound health and temperament? I'm wet and cold! Sassy, what about Johnny? (laughs) What? Let Johnny sit in the well until he learns to be more self-reliant? Sassy! What did he say? Sassy is brought to you by the Ad Council and the shelterpetproject.org. Remember, adopt! Have you ever lost a cat? And have you ever wanted to get your cat back after you lost it? Hi there, I'm Andrew Hoffman. I went on this website called inventnow.org. Then I decided to make an invention of my own. It's called the Lost Cat Magnet Invention. 
so you can get your cat back after you lost it. Just turn it on and lost cat stick to it. That's a good cat. If your cat was hiding up in a tree, it won't be up a tree anymore. It will be stuck to the lost cat magnet. And sometimes they fly toward you in the air. Just listen to one satisfied cat. See, that's proof. You should go to the inventnow.org website too. But just remember one thing. Don't do a lost cat magnet. Anything's possible. Keep thinking. Get started on your own inventions or just play some games at inventnow.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office, the National Inventors Hall of Fame Foundation, and the Ad Council. Come to the forest. It's a place not so far away. A place where you don't have to mow the lawn. Or babysit. I saw lizards and squirrels and bugs. Ladybugs, caterpillars. It's really cool, actually. A place where you don't have to make time for free time. Lots and lots of kinds of species here. Out here, you may even meet the mysterious creature known as the other you. The enchanted you. It's magic what flowers do. The adventurous you. My favorite tree, yes, is that one. The free-to-be-me you. (laughs) Ask your parents to take you to this not-so-far-away place. Come to the forest, where the other you lives. But first, stop by discovertheforest.org. A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. Now, back to the Dr. Julie Show. All things connected on Empower Radio. Welcome back. Hey, if you're inspired by our conversation today and want to share it with others or maybe just listen to it again, please visit our website at thedrjulieshow.com where you'll find all the archives and a listing of upcoming guests. And also stay connected all week on our Facebook page, All Things Connected with Dr. Julie, where we continue the conversation. And Emmanuel and I would love to hear from you. If you have questions, comments about today's show, so please go on over and leave a comment for us. And if you enjoy the conversation more, Sign up for my email list and Emmanuel's as well. I'm going to give you Emmanuel's website. I think it's amazing. I love your blogs, Emmanuel. So I'm actually, I'll let you make sure you spell it correctly. I want to give our listeners your personal website. Yes, thank you. I would love to. Uh, so it's emmanuelkunzelman.org. And uh, spelling my name is a bit of a challenge. So yeah, I'll spell it out. It's E-M-A-N-U-E-L-K-U-N-T-Z-E-L-M-A-N. Emmanuel with one M, Kunzelman, .com or .org. So love to have you visit the site and, uh, and be in touch with all of you. Great. And the Greenheart site is, you have a couple different there. Yeah, the the best way to go into Greenheart is www.greenheart.info, I-N-F-O. And uh, that's kind of the entry page. And then through there, you can go into the various different branches. We have CCI Greenheart, our cultural exchange division, uh, Greenheart Shop, Greenheart Travel, Greenheart Transforms, Greenheart Music, and Greenheart Ibiza and our various websites. But uh, the easiest way to enter in is through greenheart.info. 
Greenheart.info. Great. Thank you. And again, we have the globalpurposemovement.com. So, Emmanuel, before the break, I mentioned that you are so much more than just these recent events. Um, you are a brilliant mind and a great thinker, and you've synthesized so much of what you've seen with evolution, and you, you have a theory. You wrote, humanity is long overdue for reconciliation between science and spirit. We are in need of unifying theories that help us find common values and principles of action in order to transcend this trough of materialism and unearth our higher selves. I love that. And that comes from your writing. And I, you'll have to tell me about the book and when it will be published, hopefully in 2016 here. But you talk about an evolutionary wave model and those questions that I I mentioned at the beginning of the show, come out of your writing and your and your book. So tell us a little bit more. What is this evolutionary wave model, and when will your book be out for us all? Okay, well, thank you, Julie. Uh, yeah, the the book is it goes by the name of Riding the Wave to Global Purpose, uh, with the emphasis on riding the wave. Um, the book should hopefully uh, be out in print uh, towards the end of the year. So, depending on editing processes and and all the rest, uh, we're we're hopeful that it'll appear uh, late this year. So, I will certainly uh, keep information on my website about uh, the actual appearance of riding the wave. It's been. A long time in the making. Uh, it's an evolutionary process itself, <laughs> but it, it will happen fairly soon. Um, as far as the you know the the book itself, the the actual wave model, um, the the key idea here is that everything in the universe is a wave. It's frequency. Um, and it really, you know, even when scientists say, well, it started with a big bang, you know, we, we always immediately think of some kind of material manifestation. And we think of a material universe and all those stars and galaxies and things like that. But uh, it's all an energy wave. And that we know from from science now. And we know that, uh, you know, atoms, the building blocks of materiality themselves are, are basically empty space. They're energy fields. Um, and so everything, uh, behind the, the material universe is really a wave. And all waves have their frequency and their flow. And so the, the conclusion there is that, uh, Evolution is a is a wave model, and it flows, and waves have ups and downs. You know, and it's often been commented on that uh, uh, Michael Murphy, a good friend of mine, says, you know, evolution meanders uh, more than it evolves. Um, you know, to some degree, that is certainly true. We've we've seen it throughout history. It's a little frustrating and the evolution of our social systems, even the appearance of new species, it does seem to meander a bit. But I would say that evolution definitely has a, a core purpose and a driving flow to it. 
But what happens is it flows on a wave. And so all waves uh, do have their crests and troughs. And uh, if we conceptualize for a minute that the beginning of this grand wave of evolution was the Big Bang, I like to refer to it more as the Big Wow, because it really was more than a thought than anything. And then that, that wave descended into materiality. And what appeared first was light. And light is wave energy. And that turned into elementary particles, atoms, and molecules. And we reached the trough then of the first grand wave where the whole evolutionary process gets stuck because we've come to the material universe, but what is lacking is life. And so the, the turning point in that first grand trough is when life appeared on Earth, perhaps elsewhere in the universe, but we'll stick with the model we know. And then there's this kind of miraculous rise of consciousness uh, through life, plants, animals, and finally crowning again at the crest of the wave in human consciousness. And there, the wave then takes another turn into the formation of human civilization. And we go through equivalent phases of hunters and gatherers organizing into city-states, the Industrial Revolution, and again, bringing us to a material trough, which is our current situation today. And so when we look at this grand wave of evolution, we see that there are these somewhat miraculous moments at the crest and trough of the grand evolutionary wave. We start at the top with the beginning, the Big Bang. It flows down, it reaches a trough, which is the, the appearance of life. It ascends in consciousness, we have another crest, uh, which is the appearance of self-reflective human consciousness. And then it has descended again to this moment we are currently experiencing. So, you know, I often try and show this wave model to people to make them realize that these aren't just significant times or important times. Or This is the fourth big, biggest moment in the history of the universe. And it is time for the fourth great miracle in evolution. Big Bang, parents of life, human consciousness, and this moment that we are blessed to be living in. So I think that puts it into perspective, and we gain uh, an understanding of the absolute critical importance. This is really a singularity. It doesn't mathematically compute how we're going to rationally move through many of the challenges we have right now, yet poetically and humanistically we can and will do that. So this is the, the challenge of this time, and uh, I feel putting it on this wave model gives us a deep understanding of that perspective. And then the wave itself, it, it, it flows in, in octaves, which are really fractals of the, the entire universe. Uh, we know that light has this octave effect. There are seven going on eight colors in the visible uh, color spectrum to the human eye. 
There are seven notes that are repeated on the eighth note in the scale of Western music. Uh, most of our classificatory systems are broken down into uh, seven uh, phyla. There are seven rows of the periodic table. Uh, you can just go on and on and on and see how everything flows on this kind of octave model of of evolution. And so what I try to capture is this understanding of how that works, what it means for us, and above all, the what happens at these turning points like we're now experiencing. And when we get some of the mechanics of this work in, it, it, I think it gives us a deeper appreciation of why evolution seems to meander, why things don't happen in a logical linear process, and how to address the, the complexity of these massive turning point that we're now in. So mm. the book uh, takes us through a, an active flow of understanding of the grand evolutionary wave and, and what it can also mean for us uh, individually, our lives, and, and how to adapt them to this singular moment. Yeah, and thank you for that introduction because your book also, the thing I really appreciate about what I've been privileged to see so far is there's beautiful charts and graphs that become this visual picture as well of exactly what you're talking about. And it's just really helpful to put it into that perspective. And as we're looking forward into this new era of transformation, you also talk about the second coming of consciousness. And I really appreciate your definition and, and what you're bringing to this conversation. Obviously, my show's called All Things Connected. So I would love for you to share with our listeners what you mean by the second coming of consciousness. Yeah, I'd be glad to do so. Um well, some people have asked me, well, what was the first coming? Uh, seems evident, but let's go back to the first coming of consciousness, which was really the, the dawn of self-reflective human consciousness. And it was really the, the moment when Homo sapiens first began to be able to self-reflect, see ourselves uh, as uh, an individual separate being, and have an awareness of that, to be able to witness ourselves from outside of ourselves, um, which was a wonderful thing, but actually probably quite terrifying in the psyche of the human mind, because uh, up until that time, uh, we didn't have this awareness of our perceived separateness. And, uh, you know, I often like to use the analogy of, of pets or animals. Uh, dogs often come to mind. Many of us have a, a beautiful pet dog. And when we look into Bowser's eyes, we see this basic bliss there because Bowser doesn't have that self-reflective consciousness to really be aware that it is a separate being with its own mortality and its own existential angst, as it were. Bowser's just basically living in the bliss of oneness and uh, enjoying the love of his master. Uh, so when human beings sensed that we are alone and separate in the world, 
it was probably quite a traumatic experience. In fact, it has been ever since. And the whole story of civilization is really the story of separation. It's our psyche trying to cope with this understanding that we see ourselves as individual separate beings. And uh, in many ways, this has alienated us from our notion of oneness and connectivity. And it's fomented this idea of individual material beings supposedly being in competition for survival. And all of this has just been augmented over the ages through the Enlightenment, through the Industrial Revolution, that we see ourselves in this rat race to obtain material possessions to survive in our own separate material world. And it's really been uh, quite a traumatic experience that uh, we've needed to take the first step, this first dawning of consciousness until now. And now at this point, we see that we have to make this turn and we have to move back towards unity. So the, the shift here, the great transition, you know, it's, it, it's a flip side of reality in so many ways. Yang moving to yin, uh, c- competition to cooperation, we can, dependence to interdependence, so many ways we can see uh, what the new paradigm is, is guiding us into here. But it's also this understanding that we are not, in fact, separate that this was only an illusion of the first coming of consciousness and that the second coming of consciousness is taking this self-reflective individuality and understanding its holographic component and that even though we appear as unique, individual, separate beings, we are in fact still one and still all interconnected on a very deep quantum level and that we're all in this together, we need to work together and we need to find that spirit rediscover that unity of oneness and make that the driving force of our life, not the survival of an individual material being, but the future survival, well-being, and harmony of the whole collective species in conjunction with planet Earth and living together as one uh, ecosystem together on this uh, Earth. And so it's, it's a whole new second coming of the realization that consciousness is one after all, and we're headed back in that direction. Mm. Good, good stuff, Emmanuel. Um, I really appreciate how you put that into perspective of the first realization, which is the self-reflected piece, so important in the context of helping us understand the illusion that we've created with this consciousness. So thank you for that. I also really love how you're talking about a unified path of harmony and the harmony, not only just from humanity's perspective, but, but the whole living system of our ecology, our planet here. So Evidently, you've been a visionary for most of your life. You said you saw this coming 
at a very young age. Um, I did as well. So because I know you're a visionary then, I would love for you to share what your vision, your positive vision of the future is for our listeners today, giving us a little hope, giving us a little foretaste of, of how you might see this unified path of harmony coming. What's it look like? Well, that, that's a very good good question, and I think it's critically important to see the positive vision of the future. You know, first of all, let's talk a little bit about what it feels like and how that resonates within us. And since we are discussing wave theory here, it's important, I think, to apply a little bit of an analogy to waves themselves. Um, and we're probably most familiar with waves uh, in in water. And if you've ever tried to swim in a public swimming pool, for example, it's not that easy. One's trying to swim laps, but uh, since there are so many different people splashing around in the pool, the wave patterns in a public pool are very chaotic. And so you swim around, you can often get your eyes splashed or a mouthful and stuff like that because there's no way we can understand the way those waves are coming at us. And that's kind of the, the analogy for what we have right now. It's one big chaotic public pool of uh, randomness. On the other hand, if you visualize the ocean much larger than any public swimming pool with vast energy underlying it. And you look out and watch a surfer who sees a wave coming and makes the perfect run and the time to it and catches the energy of that wave and stands on a board and flows into the shore. And you think, now that's what we need to do. So we need to have our waves in resonance. Um, that is, is the real key to flowing into the future. As long as we're all arguing and bickering and, uh, you know, addressing our anger, uh, you know, the wave patterns of anger are also chaotic. They're all over the place. They're up and down. They're irregular, whereas the wave patterns of peace and love are very smooth flowing waves. So just within ourselves, if we find the right wave emanating love, and then you find other people who share that wave, and your waves overlap, they reinforce each other. And so that rather than all these chaotic random waves canceling each other out and splashing everybody in the face, we have a wave in phase that combines into ever more powerful energy moving through it. So that's kind of the, the mechanism that can and will drive us forward. And the, the way we can find that resonance with our waves is more about basic underlying human values. Mm. You know, it's, it's an election year out there, and we see all these people just arguing and saying everything that's wrong about their opponents and, and all the bad ideas and belittling each other. Uh, what we really need to do is what's working together and emphasize that. And, uh, and we can and will come to that. And many sectors of society outside of 
politics, we're doing just that. That's what a, a global purpose movement is, and it's based on main underlying human values, which aren't that complicated. I mean, it kind of goes back to the basic wisdom traditions and, um, you know, loving our neighbors as we would ourselves, the golden rule, all the rest. It's better to give than to get. All of this has been invented in the, the first coming of consciousness and in our lives. So we we just need to go back and get in touch with that. And then as it moves forward, it will manifest in structural changes throughout our society. But here it's important to remember that the, the institutions of our society will be the last things to change. The larger the organizational structure, the slower it is to transform. So we will change as individuals first, then we'll combine as other individuals and we'll form communities and communities will unite, but will be a bottom-up, grassroots, evolving movement of understanding, but it will be the will of the people that will change the systems, not the systems themselves, nor the leaders of the systems, because the institutionalized systems we have today don't produce leaders with vision. They, they produce power brokers and people who are egotistical and anxious for money and power and influence, whereas the nameless, leaderless movement of human unity and understanding uh, won't have big-name players, but it'll have the big-name numbers of the masses of humanity who get this and want to work together for common cause of basic human love and understanding. And it will carry through. I remember many years ago when I was giving a lecture, it was like 1985, and uh, in the question and answer period, someone asked me, okay, that's great, but this was back in the time of the Cold War. And they said, you know, we've got Russia and the United States, both with nuclear weapons, uh, their hands on the, the nuclear button, uh, the Iron Curtain. How is all this high-sounding philosophy going to resolve that problem? And at that time, I said, it will solve itself through human will. You can't will, you can't wall off freedom. You know, you can for a while, but the common values and the justice and the freedom of the human mind will prevail, and it does. And sometime, someday enough people will just walk across that wall that all the tanks in the world can't stop them. And that did indeed happen. And likewise now, with our economy, our education, our environment, all the biggest problems we may have, there is a common will arising that we're in this together for the good of the whole. And we will and we are finding solutions. And they will prevail and they will transform our institutions from the inside out to respect all of humanity and work towards a more equitable distribution of resources, income, health care, all of the things we need to respect humanity as a whole. They, they actually are arising and they're gaining momentum day by day. And uh, the more we believe that and see it ourselves, the sooner it will happen.
Beautiful. Yes, it is happening and it's starting with the small and the individual, but as we come together, more and more is happening. Emmanuel, it was really a, an honor and a joy to have you with us here today. I just want to remind our listeners, we're talking with Emmanuel Kunzman, and you can find more about him at EmmanuelKunzman.com as well as GreenHeart.info. There's lots there. Emmanuel, thank you so much for joining us today. Well, it was my pleasure. Thank you, Julie. Thank you for the the good work you do and uh, exploring this connectedness. And it's an honor for me to be here, and I, I thank you for the opportunity. Oh, thank you so much. And listeners, thank you for tuning in. Together, we're creating connections for the greater good of the whole. Until next time, I'm sending you a world of love. Bye for now. <laughs> 